0: Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia today with my good friend Grant Sampson of VoyagerExperiences.com. Although Grant doesn't live in Kuala Lumpur, he traveled there for the value and a position for flights to other destinations in Asia. But when he arrived, he fell in love with the culture and the food. In this episode, we'll talk about the incredible history and architecture in Kuala Lumpur, including the Batu Caves and the Kalo Tower, and Grant's favorite amazing culinary experiences at low, low prices you hear about these three unique attractions and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Kuala Lumpur. Before we start the interview, i love it if you give my show a rating and review in your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback improves the interviews. It helps new listeners find the show. Now let's get started. This episode is sponsored in part by the Dosh Cashback app. You know how much I love using miles and points when I travel, but using rewards isn't always an option due to blackout dates or when the whole hotel requires just way too many points for our stay. That's why I've been loving Dosh's new hotel booking functionality. Their rates are extremely competitive and there are over 600,000 hotels to choose from around the world. Best of all, you can earn up to 20% cash back per night. That's cold hard cash in your pocket that you can use for anything. With all the travel I do, I've quickly earned a significant amount of money in which I'm using to pay down our mortgage and save for our future. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash DOSH to download the DOSH cashback app today and start booking your hotels. Plus, you can get cash back at thousands of merchants that they partner with. Use the promo code TIMMY for a little something extra when you open up your free account. Hey, Grant. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, buddy?
1: Hey, Lee. I'm doing great, thanks. How are you?
0: Doing well. I'm uh, really excited right now to hear all about Kuala Lumpur. It's not a place that I've been, but I've seen some aspects of it in movies. And I've heard a lot about it with my travel friends. So I've, I'm totally jealous that you've been there. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks. A uh, fascinating place and uh, looking forward to, to sharing my experience with you.
0: Sure. And so sometimes we have uh, our guests on that live in these cities and sometimes we have guests that have traveled there and just really enjoy the city and have a lot to share about it. Do you live in Kuala Lumpur or were you just there on business?
1: No, it was actually there on, on Pleasure. Okay. And I you know, I was mentioning earlier that it's not so much that I found Kuala Lumpur. I mean, I knew where it was, but in terms of this trip, KL found me. And you'll, you'll hear me refer to it more as KL. Uh, it's the local parlance, and it's a lot easier to say than Kuala Lumpur, as we talk about it 54 <laughs> times over the next half hour.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So for the listeners that aren't quite sure where KL is at, yep. can you give us a little context as far as the, on the map?
1: Sure. So, Kuala Lumpur, it's the capital and largest city of Malaysia. Malaysia is a relatively young country. It only achieved its independence from Britain back in 1963. It's in the same neighborhood as the other Southeast Asian countries that people are actively traveling to all the time, whether it's uh, just south of China and Hong Kong and adjacent to Thailand and north of Singapore, uh, north of Indonesia. So it's in, in that Southeast Asia neck of the woods. Really curious thing about Malaysia from a geographical standpoint, it's a country that really makes no sense geographically. You've got where Kuala Lumpur is, it's on peninsular Malaysia. It's that long, skinny peninsula that hangs down from Thailand. But then you also have Borneo, Malaysia, which is part of the country, which also shares the island of Borneo with uh, Brunei and Indonesia.
0: Okay. I mean, I I haven't explored the Southeast Asia area myself very much, but a lot of my friends have, and and they just have so many great stories. I'm sure we're going to get into some of them. And so you mentioned that the city kind of chose you. How did that happen? Okay, Lee. So
1: I'm a big points and miles guy, and I have been for quite some time. I took my first points and miles trip, I think back in 1999. My first international business class award was, I think, 2007, and I've really been at it ever since. And I had a way to get to Southeast Asia, but it didn't have a way back. And I knew that we really wanted to end with kind of a bang in a big city. And Singapore just, to me, it had it all. I mean, you know it from the movies, the architecture, the the food stalls, you know, everything about Singapore, right? Well, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to happen because award availability, it just wasn't there. And then, of course, the cost, I like you, I enjoy good value. And Singapore sure. is... It's on par, if not greater than any, any Western city in terms of the cost of food and hotel and transit and all of that. However, Kuala Lumpur, just up the peninsula a bit, incredible value. And I found a great way to get back. It was Eva Air redeeming points for their business class, which was, I think it's, it's exceptional. It's probably the best business class international that I've ever flown.
0: Oh, wow. Nice. So uh, how many miles and points was it for you to fly? did that
1: Eva air redemption through uh, aeroplan which is Air Canada's program transfer partner from Amex and I think somebody else too I'm not sure but I believe it was seventy seven thousand five hundred per person so okay. not the cheapest but an incredible value to fly I mean it's a long way
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah and then uh, were there a lot of taxes on the on that award or no
1: no no very cheap it was nominal maybe twenty thirty bucks
0: Oh, perfect. I love those. I it's it's always a frustrating when you go to redeem some miles next thing you know you see you know, multiple hundreds of dollars next to you to that bill in cash. Like,
1: oh no. Never fly through Heathrow, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. while you're there in KL, if you had to describe the people in one or two words, how would you describe them?
1: I think the biggest word that I would use and it's it's everywhere about KL, the people, the culture, uh, the country is it's pluralistic. And it's it's a different pluralism than than we're used to, I think in the US. It's a Muslim country, but there are large populations of Hindus, Buddhists, and Christians as well, and they're very tolerant of those other groups. And ethnically too, it's primarily Malay, but there is, I don't know, 20 or 30% Chinese ethnically, and then at least 10 or 15% Indian or people from the Indian subcontinent. So that's, uh, it adds a lot of uh, pluralism and, and diversity that I don't think you really find in other countries in that region.
0: It's nice to see, like, have that diversity because you're going to be able to experience a lot more uh, in countries like that that embrace the diversity versus others that are more just homogeneous.
1: So true. And and I would say one of the big places that it is expressed, and we'll get into this in a bit, but um, the, the food certainly is is an expression of, of all that pluralism and diversity.
0: Absolutely. So when people are thinking of uh, coming to Kuala Lumpur... Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the weather like? Are there certain areas or certain times of the year that are just like not the right time to visit? Maybe it's like the rainy season, monsoon, or whatever. When should people really kind of plan a visit?
1: Well, I'd say if you don't like hot, sticky, tropical weather, there's probably never a good time to visit. <laughs> 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 but because it is, it's uh, it's just a few degrees, I believe, north of the equator, so it's it's hot and tropical year round. You know, temperatures in Fahrenheit probably around ninety, thirty degrees plus uh, Celsius. Rain though is It does tend to rain, I think, just about every day. But the rainy season, I think, is later in the year around uh, October, November. So you'll probably get rained on once a day. Great thing is there's lots of really good places to be indoors as well.
0: Sometimes that rain helps just cool you off a little bit anyways. Exactly. So when you were planning your trip and and flying to Kuala Lumpur, do you need a, a visa to enter the country or were there any restrictions, any special documents that you needed?
1: Yeah, good point. Uh, from the U.S., there was no special uh, visa or document required. You know, if you're visiting somewhere like Vietnam, of course, you need to, well, you can e-visa now, but no, there's no special requirement from the U.S. to to enter Malaysia. I think if you're doing it over land, you may need some other requirements. So if you're coming from Thailand or maybe Indonesia, you might have to have something from land or sea. But flying into uh, KLIA, no additional documents are required.
0: Well, that's really good to know. Okay. Like when you were planning your trip, going through Kuala Lumpur because it was almost like by accident or whatever, mm-hmm. were you really planning around uh, any certain events that were happening there or primarily just because of the word availability or, and then when you're thinking of maybe suggesting this country to other people, yeah, are there certain times of the year that are just like, have a really cool festival that they should like plan around?
1: Well, interesting. You, you asked that question. So no, we did not uh, necessarily plan around any big festival. However, we ended up being in Malaysia and in Kuala Lumpur during Ramadan. And it changes its dates every year. I think by a, it moves up a month every year. So during Ramadan, the Muslim population of, of the city, they're not allowed or permitted to eat. And you'll even see signs at restaurants. It could even be a McDonald's at the train station. And there's an, a piece of paper that's posted and saying that if you're Muslim, you're not you're not to eat. And apparently you could be reported to the, the authorities. But with its pluralism, it's okay. So eating, drinking, during the day. If you're not Muslim, completely fine, completely accepted, and completely normal. So that was interesting. And as a result of it being Ramadan and people are not eating during the entire day, they have the most massive meals at the end of the day, which was really surprising to me because I'm not an expert on, on Islam, but I know that at the end you have Eid and you've got the big feast and the festival, and then everybody chows down because they haven't. However, it actually happens every night that there's a very large meal taken. So that, that was something very interesting to experience.
0: Were you able to participate in some of those meals, like maybe uh, with some of the people that you met?
1: We were. We stayed at a hotel. For hotels, it's it's an amazing city because of the uh, the, the cost and the availability if you're redeeming in points. And we ended up staying at a Le Meridian, which is uh, right at the city center. And they had included in our rate, there was a dinner, and I just thought it was a regular dinner, but little did we (laughs) know that we were walking into a hall with just hundreds and hundreds of people and families and everyone out. These weren't just guests of the hotel. Eating out in hotels is a really big thing in KL. And it was just the most lavish buffet for dinner that I ever could have imagined.
0: What a great experience. Mm. So I want to step back before we get too far into the food and all the attractions and everything in Mm KL. When you land at the airport, Obviously, you need to get from the airport to the city center and to everything that you're planning to do. Do you rent a car? Do you take public transportation, Uber, taxis? What do you do to get around?
1: If you are used to driving in North America, I would say probably not. Rent a car. (laughs) First of all, you're driving on the left side of the road. It is a former uh, British colony. So they left them with that along with their justice system and a few other things too. So you're going to have to adapt to that. The best way from the airport, Lee, there is the KLIA Express train. And KLIA is way out there, it's probably 30 or 40 miles south of downtown, but you jump on the train, high-speed rail, and you're there in about, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. It's an incredible uh, journey on, on that express train. There is also another train, which is called, I believe it's Suban Airport, and it's just west of the city, a lot closer in distance. And if you're flying in from a neighboring country or a different part of Malaysia, you probably will be flying into Subang, which it's a lot more convenient, I would say, to access the city if you're if you're in, in the neighborhood.
0: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Now we've taken uh, the train into the town. When we're looking at places to stay, are there certain areas maybe we should avoid or that we should really focus in, in our search as far as that's the area that I really want to be in because that's where all the cool stuff is at?
1: Yeah. Um, the great thing is with KL is that there's a really great transit system, so you're connected by train, by rail, light rail, they even have a monorail. There are buses and then taxis and the grab service. It, it's ubiquitous. So once you're at your hotel, centrally located, it's very easy to get around, much like many cold cities where you don't have to walk outside. They've built tunnels and an underground. Same way in KL. So you're actually able to go many places from your hotel, not walking outside, going to where you want to go to shade you from the heat.
0: Nice. And for the people who are listening on the show here, Grab is kind of like Lyft and Uber in the U.S. The Grab is very popular like in the Southeast Asia area.
1: Exactly. I think Grab has even bought out Uber in a couple of countries, Vietnam for sure. Okay. And then there are different kinds of Grab, just like we have different kinds of Uber, Uber Black and all that. But in Grab, you actually have this Grab motorcycle. So you jump on the back of a bike with a guy <laughs> wearing a grab shirt. It's insane. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, I think I'm just gonna have to go there just for that experience. That that sounds pretty wild. Yeah, it is. So, okay. Well, like you said, we want to talk about the food quite a bit, but before we get into that, I want to talk about some of the things to do. Cause like you said, maybe people are are not Mm -hmm. going to Kuala Lumpur because they're some other cities are a little bit more popular, a little bit more touristy. What are some of the things to do while you're there in in town that you don't want to miss?
1: Yeah. So I'd say when, when you're looking at KL, it's not going to be the, the most beautiful city you've ever seen. It doesn't have the the setting of uh, Lisbon or Vancouver or San Francisco, but the amount of uh, dynamism there is incredible. It's just, it's building up. There are skyscrapers everywhere, cranes everywhere, but there's still a lot of green space. Um, so a few things that you really want to do for sure, you have to see the Petronas Towers and it's the iconic twin towers with the with the bridge that connects the two. I think it's 86 or 88. Stories tall, the tallest twin tower building in the world. So that's a must. When you do that, here's a pro tip. Don't do what we did. You don't want to just show up. You actually need to make a reservation, which can be done online or through your hotel concierge, or you can actually buy on-site tickets for uh, a next day. But the sights from there, spectacular. You get to go up on the sky bridge that connects the two towers. Mm -hmm. You also get to go then to the very top of one of the floors. So you get to see the entire city, the surrounding valley, all of the other uh, skyscrapers that are nestled among you. And it's a uh, it's a pretty spectacular experience from up there.
0: That sounds really cool. So, okay. So we got the towers. What else should we do while we're there?
1: <laughs> well, there's another tower too. There is uh, <laughs> That's actually a building that's occupied. I think it's maybe two thirds, the Petronas, which is a national or state run oil company. Uh, but there's another tower, which I believe actually gives you a higher viewpoint in the city and you can take that KL Tower up as well. We didn't do it, but it, it's right there too. So lots of towers <laughs> to explore. The other thing is there is lots of parkland. So you'll notice that there are some great parks. There's an aquarium. Um, there's a national museum. So if you're into that, you want to learn more about the, the history of, of Malaysia, both the in the city of Kuala Lumpur, great place to go. The other place to go, and you tell people this, that you went to the mall and they're thinking, why on earth would you go there? But Going to the mall, it is a kl tradition. There are some of the largest malls that I've ever seen in the, in the world, and they're well-equipped. You don't just go there to see Macy's and The Gap. There are <laughs> some great examples of local stores and regional department stores and food. Again, a lot of people there, they live in smaller apartments, so the big thing is with your family, you go out and the malls have some incredible restaurants, everything from high-end White tablecloth meals down to grab and go, almost like a food truck landed in the mall type of thing. So,
0: okay, so it's not Savoro Pizza that you're that you're getting at the mall there.
1: No, no, no. I don't. Uh, <laughs> you might find a piece though, but <laughs> probably not Savoro. But probably the best example is the Pavilion Mall, and that's in uh, KLCC or the City Center area. One other place though, I, I think deserves a, a note is uh, is the Bangsar neighborhood. And well it just has a lot of really great independent shops and restaurants and bars. It's a bit more international. Well, there's also a mall there too. Almost every neighborhood has their own mall, but walking around either inside or out around the Banksar neighborhood is it's a real pleasure.
0: Okay, that sounds cool. And uh when we were talking before you mentioned uh, something about like the the caves that are nearby.
1: Ah, uh, yes. You can't miss that. Batu Caves, it's just north of the city, either by train or by cab, very reasonable either way. I believe it's the largest Hindu shrine outside India. And to access it, you need to walk up. No, there is no cable car or stairs, but you need to walk up. I think it's over 400 steps to get up into the caves. And it is an amazing sight because you have a lot of people who are pilgrims and they've traveled there um, and they're doing it for religious reasons. But then you have people from, they're Malaysian or they're from all over the world, and they're doing it because it's also just a grand tourist attraction. It's incredibly beautiful. When you walk into the cave, you feel like you're Indiana Jones and you're going to open <laughs> up uh, the lost ark. Daylight coming in from above, stalactites, stalagmites, um, some running water, and beautiful, ornate Hindu shrine up there as well inside. So it's something not to be missed. And Sometimes when you walk up, when you walk somewhere far, you you say, "Oh, was that really worth it?" It's definitely worth it. Batu Caves.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. We definitely make sure we gotta visit that when we go there. Uh, you also mentioned that there's a lot to do within the city, but also outside of the city. There's actually, if, if you have an extra time in KL, you're gonna want to do a little day trip to one of these little towns.
1: Yeah. You know, the thing is, once you get into Malaysia or really anywhere in Southeast Asia, air travel is so incredibly inexpensive. And just before we Chatted. I wanted to take a look and see what what it cost. Two places that we took and spent some time uh, on were uh, Penang, which is an island just northwest. It's about a one-hour flight, and then there's Langkawi, which is another island just north of Penang, and they're both in the um, in the Andaman Sea, just south of, of Thailand. Eleven dollars one way, Lee, from KL to either one of these places, and it's incredible. And what you see in Penang is it has the most Chinese influence of any of the uh, Malaysian states. Lots of great British colonial architecture there. The storied Eastern Oriental Hotel, of course. It was actually featured in movie Crazy Rich Asians. And a stand-in, actually, ironically, for a London hotel. Great hawker stalls there. The Red Garden hawker stalls. Um, you can eat everything there. And to really learn about the food and cuisine, they have this hands-on museum called the Wonder Food Museum, which teaches you all about the incredible history and diversity and depth of Malaysian cuisine.
0: Yeah, that sounds like so much fun, and like you said, it's it's these little towns that maybe you don't otherwise go visit. But when you're in the area, you have to make sure you take a little bit of time and go visit them. Yeah. Now you mentioned a little bit of the food there. We only have a few more minutes, and I want to make sure we we talk about the food because the food from what you're describing is absolutely delicious. There,
1: it is. I've never really had quite a culinary experience that was so unexpected any anywhere that I've been. You know, if you think about the food and in the, in the countries that that are surrounding it. You've got Thai food. And now in the US, it seems like every town with 5,000 inhabitants has a Thai restaurant. So everyone's familiar with it. And Vietnamese food, of course, is growing in popularity. But Malaysian food, there is just a big absence. I live in Seattle. In the city proper, there is not a single Malaysian restaurant, if you can believe that. Huh. So some of the things that you should try, it's not like it's something you've never had before. There's bits and pieces you say, oh, well, that's kind of familiar. I know that. But A couple of the big national dishes, you've got something called nasi lemak. And what that is, it's a steamed coconut rice. There's fried peanuts, fried anchovy, and it's usually put along uh, in a circle on on a dish or a banana leaf. And then sambal, which is that spicy chili sauce. Believe it or not, it's a common breakfast dish, and it's absolutely delicious.
0: Yeah, it's not quite the pancakes and eggs that we're used to, huh?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not typically. Another one I should probably point out is, uh, I think it's my favorite one, and it's called Char Kuei Tiao. A little bit like Pad Thai, but the noodles are somewhat thicker, and it's done in this wok, which looks like it's about 1,000 degrees when you see them making it. It's quite a performance as well, and they throw it up in the air. So it's these smoky rice noodles with a little bit of char, and they're chewy and a little bit of crunchy. And there is some seafood in there, maybe some chicken, but they also add some Chinese sausage and I think some kind of uh, clams or cockles. Also a little bit spicier than you might be expecting, but my gosh, there is, I've never had a finer noodle dish than uh, char kway teow.
0: Oh, that's cool. So when people are visiting Kale, where should they go to find some of these dishes? Like Obviously you can, you can find any place, but where would you recommend yep. people go?
1: So I'd say as someone coming from the U.S. Or, or any Western country, if you're not really familiar with the food, one of the best ways to do it is a hotel buffet. And the hotels in KL, you have all of the top chains. They're incredibly inexpensive. So just for example, even a, a really high-end hotel, which might cost 600 $800 a night in New York or San Francisco, you're going to stay there for probably about $150. If you don't want to spend a lot of money, you can easily get a nice hotel with a rooftop pool for 50 bucks or so. These hotels have incredible morning buffets. This is not the Hilton Garden Inn outside Indianapolis. (laughs) (laughs) At breakfast, it's a huge meal and you might have eight or 10 different fresh stations where they're banging out food right in front of you. So it gives you an opportunity to really try all of these interesting and amazing and so different Malaysian dishes. So it gives you a good intro to the cuisine. And then when you're out and you're out at the at the hawker stalls, as they call them, you'll know what to order. And then you can try it, you know, and I guess I'm doing air quotes here too, is in a more authentic way. But there's nothing inauthentic about eating in the hotels because all of the locals eat there as well.
0: Okay. Uh, now, I know that you traveled with your uh, young child when mm-hmm. you went to KL. Children are notorious for like not wanting to try like new things. <laughs> uh, when you go to some of these buffets, are they going to have stuff that's maybe a little bit more plain or a little bit more the stuff that they would recognize that, you know, you know how it is when you travel with your kid, you don't want them like not eating for four days.
1: <laughs> for sure. You don't need that hardship. So yes, there are Western dishes available at, at most of the buffets, but our son got right into a lot of the foods. There is a lot of noodle dishes. And then there are some curries, which are somewhat mild. Another one that's easy to love is a uh, roti canai. So they make the beautiful Roti bread on the grill, and it's something else that you can watch, and there's a bit of a performance art to that as well. So nobody doesn't like uh, roti and and noodles, and you know there are some things that you're more familiar with too. Of course, you can find satay and other dishes that we're more used to from Southeast Asia.
0: Well, that sounds great. Now, before we go, I know there is a place that there's actually like a food museum that you can go check out, right?
1: That's correct. Uh, so that's actually in Penang, not in KL. Okay, it's called the Wonder Food Museum, and I've got to say it's probably one of my favorite museums in in all the world. It gives you the entire history of how Malaysian cuisine came to be with the different groups that have that have all come and left their mark on it. it gives you the chronological order and then it goes through each sort of uh dish that you might find in in Malaysia and they're all done in such beautiful form. It almost looks like well, actually better than some of the when you're walking along Tokyo and and you see all of the the different dishes that have been crafted that way this is what you see and then much of it is interactive and you can touch it it's so much fun i i cannot recommend that wonder food museum enough
0: that sounds cool and I, it sounds like it's interactive too so you will be able to have uh bring your kids and they will be able to enjoy it as well instead of like you know doing more of like the adult thing you know exactly so grant thank you so much for sharing uh, your experiences in, in KL it sounds like a great place to go, and especially if you're already in that area of Southeast Asia, you definitely need to, to take one of those cheap flights to go over there and, and check it all out. But now it's time for the final countdown. So if a traveler only had time for one meal in Kuala Lumpur, where should they go and what should they eat?
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you something that, sadly, I didn't get to experience this, but if and when I go back, and I'm going to say when, I want to go to a restaurant called Plane in the City, and that's P-L-A-N-E, in the city. What it is, it's a converted 737 and it's all decked out in business class and it is a five-star restaurant that you get to eat in the plane. How cool is that?
0: That is super cool. As, long as it's not airplane food, right? Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's catered by someone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be that.
0: Cool. That sounds like a fun experience and great food. Definitely something unique.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now you were in Kuala Lumpur for a little while. What's one of your most memorable stories of your visit?
1: Uh, so, my most memorable experience, Lee, I'd, I'd have to go back to Batu Caves. It's such a modern city and all of the amazing architecture that's popping up all over the place, but you have to go back to something that's actually hundreds of years old, I think, to really get a full understanding of the culture and what has been happening there for, for so long. And it's just such a, a beautiful uh, spot that it, it will definitely um, live on in my memory
0: sounds like such a fun place to visit, but also it's something you gotta give some reverence to, right, because it is the temple on the Hindu side. So it's got that great mixture. Exactly. So when when people are looking for some place to kind of hang out and have some fun, where's the happiest happy hour? You know, I knew you were gonna ask me that,
1: and I think this would make even the frumpiest person pretty happy. So (laughs) we talked a little bit about going up to the top of the uh, Patronus Towers, and it's great, but the one thing is, is that when you're in there, sadly, you don't get to see the Patronus Towers, however, if you just go across the park, there is a hotel called the Traders, and it has a bar that faces—it's called the Sky Bar. It faces the Petronas Towers, and there's an open-air section, and you can have your drink out there. You can watch the sunset and have—you know—one of the most beautiful views in, in the country, if not the entire region—is is seeing the uh, the sun glistening off of the Petronas Towers.
0: That sounds amazing. Uh, it's one of those things where Petronas Towers are so huge. It's not like you can even do like a selfie or anything like that, take a picture with yourself by there. But if you go to like that bar, then I'm sure you can take a picture with it in the background and and just get that great Instagram selfie shot. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, one of the things that I always uh, do when I travel, and and maybe it's not going to work in in kale, is I always look for pizza. Where's the best pizza in in Kuala Lumpur?
1: And I know that you like a pepperoni pizza, Lee. And it's one thing that's maybe going to be hard to come by. There's a lot of uh, pork product that ends up becoming beef in KL. So a okay. lot of the bacon at a buffet, it's going to end up being beef bacon, which I honestly wasn't brave enough to try. <laughs> but <laughs> where you can get your pizza, there's a lot of Neapolitan pizza actually going on right now in KL. But if you're more of a New York style guy, uh, there's a place called Mikey's New York Pizza, actually run by a New Yorker. And I think you're going to be able to find nice, a nice slice there.
0: Obviously, you know, if it's a New York style, you got to fold it and, and do the whole New York thing for sure. Oh, of course. <laughs> now, obviously you travel a lot. Uh, you're like me using the miles and points when we travel. What's yep. one of your best travel tips?
1: I'd say one of, my, one of my favorite tips to share with people is when you want to go somewhere and try something new, don't necessarily have the location in mind, but more have the experience in mind. And this is exactly what I got out of KL. A lot of people think, well, they have to go to London or they have to go to Paris. But if you end up checking out a second city of of a country, you're going to find something that's probably a lot more authentic representation of the country. You're also going to find a much better value and a lot fewer people and far fewer tourists.
0: That sounds good. We may be tourists, but I love when I don't have to be around the tourists. (laughs) Same here. (laughs) Grant, again, thank you for sharing everything about Kuala Lumpur. You know, We know each other a little bit, but can you tell the audience about who you are, what you do and how they can reach you online?
1: Sure thing. So for my day job I've been uh, I've been working in software sales for a for a good long time and uh, you know the travel thing is certainly something that is uh, of interest to me. So I do have a bit of a side hustle and you can find me at I'll give you my website it's experiences.com. Voyageur is spelled V O Y A G E U R experiences.com. And what that is, is it's an independent travel consultancy. I love helping people with their points and miles, how to earn, how to burn, as well as planning trip itineraries, saying, okay, no, we don't need to go to Paris or London or Venice, but we really want to experience some other places in in Europe or Asia, or even places farther afield than that.
0: That sounds great.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. For the listeners, we're going to have all the links to Grant's website and all the social media channels and everything like that in the show notes. So don't worry about that if you're driving or we out and about. We got you covered. So again, Grant, uh, thanks for being on the show. And uh, we look forward to seeing you when we travel there.
1: Sounds great, Lee. Thank you.
0: Big thanks to Grant for coming onto the show and sharing his awesome tips for Kuala Lumpur Malaysia. His trip is an example of how you can visit a destination with low expectations, then leave with a profound love for the place and its people. Show him some love by visiting his site at voyagerexperiences.com to learn more about his bespoke travel consultations. Send me a tweet at WeTravelThere to share your favorite thing about Kuala Lumpur Malaysia. All the links we talked about today can be found at WeTravelThere.com forward slash Kuala Lumpur. We want to say thank you to Dosh for being a sponsor of today's episode. When you aren't using hotel points to book your stay, check out the Dosh Cashback app to earn up to 40% cash back at over 600,000 hotels around the world. That's money you can use to have more fun while traveling or sock away towards your next trip. Go to WeTravelThere.com forward slash Dosh and download the Dosh Cashback app today to start booking your hotels. And when you register your credit cards with Dosh, you'll automatically receive cash back when dining or shopping at participating restaurants and retailers. Use the promo code Timmy to let them know we sent you. For questions about an upcoming vacation, visit the We Travel There podcast community on Facebook for the best tips from travelers like you and me. Join us next time as we head to St. Louis, Missouri with John O'Leary of JohnOlearyInspires.com. We talk about the incredible St. Louis Arch, why the City Zoo doesn't charge admission, and where to find the best St. Louis barbecue ribs. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.